Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the EG Property Podcast with me, EG Editor Sam McClary. In this episode, we're taking a look back at EG's Future Leaders event, which took place on the 7th of December and saw eight amazing individuals from across the real estate sector get up on stage with no notes and deliver a TED-style talk. All eight talks were honest and from the heart and underlined just how much talent exists in this industry and how, if we listen to people like Tanya Karen darcy from JLL, Robin Didier from Landy, Claire Grimes from Octopus Real Estate, Jenny Offord from Homes England, Zaman Sheikh from Baber and Mid-Suffolk District Council, Deborah Green from Oxford Properties, Georgina Watt from Taylor Wessing and Alex Walmore from Argent. The future of the sector really is looking bright. I'm joined by Taylor Wessing's International Head of Real Estate, Paul Lawrence, JLL's Head of UK Project Cost and Net Zero Carbon Design, Amy Baker, and Head of HR at Savills, Noel McGonagall, in this 50-minute chat to find out more about why these 10-minute talks mattered so much and just why the Future Leaders Project is such a positive for the property industry. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special podcast, a very special podcast because it is hot on the heels of our final uh, EG Future Leaders event of 2021, not our final EG Future Leaders event. There will be many more to come, which I'm very excited about. Uh, But we are here to reflect on that evening, our first Future Leaders, where we allowed men to be part of the part of the the show and uh, more than that it was a or is a evolution of the um, future female leaders event which I know lead uh, listeners will have been following over the last couple of years and this is us trying to show that actually diversity and inclusion which we'll get onto that I word a little bit later um, is more than just gender there is uh, so much more that we need to do in real estate to make it a a welcoming and comfortable place for all. So this uh, series of future leaders was about um, reflecting more of of what real estate can and should be. And and joining me on the podcast today, I have um, two uh, members of um, the FL community. I'm going to invite you into the FL community because they both had uh, people up on stage from from their businesses, and um, also we have a long time supporter of the Future Leaders Project, uh, uh, a company as well that has put forward its own Future Female Leaders, and I know is uh, is very supportive of everything through this um, project. So I'm going to throw first um, to Paul from Taylor Weston because you had our first speaker up on stage. Actually, you had Georgina. Um, talking about that I word I mentioned, inclusion. And I just wanted to to hear from you, actually, how you felt when you saw her get up on stage and how, how I'm going to put the words in your mouth, how proud you must be of her now. Hugely proud, Sam. And, and it's not just me that was proud. It was the whole of the team that were there. And you probably could have heard, well, you would have heard the whooping and the cheering <laughs> at the end for Georgina. Um she did brilliantly. I, I I can't, I mean, talking to her in advance, I, I wouldn't say that she was particularly looking forward to being up there and to, to speaking, but she absolutely delivered. She was full of confidence. And the reason she was full of confidence was that she was telling her story, which was a really powerful story. And um, yeah, really proud of, of what we, she was saying. And that a big part of what she was talking about was inclusion with a capital I. 
it was a really really powerful speech and I'm I'm so glad that it, it kicked us kicked us off and um you know having sort of uh, seen her in the green room before and after you, you could tell that it, it it really meant something to her which is and which is what this is all about and, and more importantly than that that it really meant something to the audience as well and people uh, took away from that Noel um you were you have been lis- listening into the to the speeches too and I know that you know Savills is obviously a huge supporter of of DNI and you and you've been involved in the future female leaders with some of your own own people how how did you respond to, to some of the the talks that we heard on Tuesday the 7th yeah I, I I think they were just really powerful I think the I think I suppose I had the benefit of hearing them sort of stripped back without all of the sort of stage performance and so on so I I was really able to focus on what they said and I could really hear how much it meant to them to be telling their stories and bringing out um, the points and and just the emotion in their own voices as as they did it. So, um, yeah, I thought all of the speakers did really well and, and, and brought out some really powerful messages. Fantastic. And let's stick with let's stick with Georgina for a bit and <coughs> and the talk around inclusion because we we so often um when we talk about d and i we do focus very very much on on the d and for me georgina's speech was really powerful because it was i think it was something that most of us could um you know would resonated with us but a lot of us don't talk about um you know feeling like we can be exactly who we are in the office no matter no matter who who you are and um yeah, I thought that that for me was was really eye opening, actually, that uh, you could. Do I feel like I can be Sam McClary and wander around in my, my lycra and my hoodie in the office? Because that's who I am and I should be included for, for that. And Paul, what, what was it for, for you with Georgina's speech that really hit home for you? I think what really hit home was was, to be honest, that all of us have got either a public public persona or a private persona and actually how there is so much that's going on in all of our lives which many many colleagues that we work with just do not know anything about and and they ought to know about them they ought to know where people have come from they ought to know you know the hardships that people have had in their lives and the sacrifices that they or their parents have made in order to help to get them where they are and I say parents many don't have two parents many may only have one parent or indeed no parent so it's it, it's all about our journey in life um, and I think what Georgina was able to demonstrate really effectively was you know she's somebody who has really achieved she's a brilliant performer she's a highly highly valued member of the Taylor Wessing team and you know her background is very different to, to other certain other people's backgrounds but for me personally does it resonate yes I mean you know my mother was a secretary my, my father was a hairdresser it's it's kind of you know was there a particularly privileged background some people there's an assumption they come from a privileged background actually they may not so I think there are a lot of lot of touch points there it really resonated with me and I know it really resonated with many many people in the audience 
I, I absolutely agree. And we we kind of topped and tailed the evening with those two two um, discussions around, you know, it doesn't matter. I'll probably use the wrong terminology in this. So if I do, I apologise. But it doesn't really matter where you come from. And, you know, we obviously ended the night, Amy, with 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 Tanya and the, yeah. um, the wrong side of the wrong side of the tracks and how that can be an absolute um gold mine for for talent and Tanya certainly showed that didn't she yeah absolutely um I just loved her story about sort of her her uh route to entry into the industry being that she was just offered the job because somebody you know is in a coffee shop wasn't it be our office manager we need an office manager we think you'd be great because of that relationship so it shows she developed a relationship but through a really um so you know just a very abnormal and unusual way I suppose but um just goes to show that we have to broaden our reach in terms of how we recruit and where we recruit from because talent is we are just you know we're screaming about there's a talent shortage it's because we we seem to be fishing in the same pond and we're all just pinching talent off each other (laughs) (laughs) so uh we we have to broaden that net just goes to show uh yeah you know i just yeah what what a fantastic story and i know yeah she's she's absolutely an icon at jll really Yeah. An icon, just make sure she doesn't get pinched, I suppose. That's the problem now, yes. I expect all of it, uh, people, you know, poaching everybody after their, their talks. <laughs> yeah. No, for, for you, did that, uh, you know, there was um, a few uh, conversations or, or talks that I had on the on the night around, um, uh, uh, you know, inclu- inclusion, obviously, but also social mo- mobility. Tanya talking um, really strongly about about that as part of Georgina's story, and then we had Claire who was talking about you know the the um, scale of nepotism that still exists across uh, across real estate, and her you know her idea that you know why don't we approach nepotism like we're approaching climate change and if we can't remove it let's offset what we what we can't get get rid of and for you, for you how did how did you respond to to those talks um yeah I, I thought that the sort of offsetting of nepotism was a was a really sort of interesting concept and and quite I, I guess you know one that you need to give a bit further thought to about how how you'd sort of make that work in reality but it is that it is that challenge isn't it of trying and we face it all the time and sort of with you you've sort of got your foot against the door on one side to keep out the clients sort of offspring or friends who are who are using their influence to try and get them into the company while you know looking the other way you're trying to recruit that diverse talent and and give them work experience and everything else and um and i think you know, it, it is it is important that we keep, um, you know, challenging ourselves and 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 just being really clear about the way we do it. And and what we've tried to do is is look at, you know, if we are going to offer work experience to to clients or or, or you know internally, that's in addition to what we offer publicly. So we don't we don't let that stop the numbers of people that can come in through the normal application routes. And, and then, you know, when you couple that with all of the sort of blind screening and other things that you can do to, to level that playing field and trying to keep keep the two sort of separate in a way um, and, and make it make it work. But if there was a 
you know, if there was an easy way to offset it, that would be great too, wouldn't it? It would. Amy? We do actually have, it's interesting, I was talking to um, one of our leaders earlier this week, because actually that the net zero nepotism is one of the concepts that really, that was the most different, I don't think I've ever heard anybody so um, openly challenge it. Um, but it's obviously a commonly accepted thing that exists, I'm sure, in many industries. Um, but real estate um, is definitely there. Uh, but it's one of those concepts I've never really heard of. And actually, in speaking to one of our leaders, I re- that we do actually have a policy around it. So the JLL have a plus one policy. So, yes, you can give because it's human nature, isn't it? Humans by humans. We all have relationships and I don't think we'll ever stop it. And it can be advantageous, but it's just an awareness of you you've got to pay it back if you really truly want to drive diversity into your organization and equality uh, and and increase the talent pool you have to do it so we are doing it but we can't it's really hard to police it and look i've been at jail for 10 years i didn't know about it so i think we've got to get whilst there might be a policy and a will we've got to get better at enforcing it so um yeah cool. um, sorry i was going to say i i totally agree with that i mean it's it, it's very difficult you know I'm a, I'm a father of a 20 year old you obviously want your kids to to succeed in life but equally you need to make sure that you're giving everybody an opportunity and the way that you know at TW we get get around this is we we have the formal summer vacation schemes which are absolutely you know there is no benefit to have any having any particular links with people and applying to that scheme um, but at a different time within the summer we have a week which is a kind of friends and family week which is acknowledging that there are certain clients of the business where you know they would like somebody to have a little bit of a taster of what it's like to be in a law firm but it's all about having the right balance and it's about being fair and you know so that bluntly we all reflect society as a whole and we're not just you know, focusing on a narrow group of people who may happen to be very well educated and go to very particular universities. It's about making sure that people have an, an, an equal opportunity in life. And I think it's also it's not just about giving people opportunities. It's about giving the real estate industry the opportunity to access that, that talent that we that we saw so many of our future leaders talk talk about and represent up on up on stage so it's it's a it's an absolute benefit for the industry as much as it is for the individual I I think that's absolutely right and I think if you take certain industries like you know if you take GCHQ by way of example where there is a big push to hire people who who's you know who look look at life perhaps through a slightly different lens they may be dyslexic or dyspraxic and you know huge talents that can be brought to those industries equally you know the real estate industry needs to reflect the world at large and we need to have the best brains to actually fight things like you know climate change and issues like embedded carbon etc there's an old world out there and there's a new world that's coming and we need to be dynamic we need to be diverse we need to be looking ahead to the future and things like clean tech etc um so if we if we carry on looking at the, the world in the way that we did 20 years ago we're going to struggle yeah yeah and and the best brains don't always fire in the same way do they we need diversity of of cognitive function uh, as well and that i was really happy to to have a couple of our future leaders up on stage talking about um neurodiversity and i'm really keen to hear from hear from you how how you felt those 
um, those talks went and and what you took a, took away from from them. Uh, Amy, I'm going to start start with you. So we had um, Zaman obviously yeah. talking about his his um, career path and his um, uh, yes. recognition of ADHD, and then um, Jenny from Ho Homes England talking about um, uh, her journey too. Yeah, I loved the term that Zaman used around um, reasonable adjustments. And that that's obviously in a lot of employment contracts around, you know, we can, we will make reasonable adjustments. But again, it's it's one of those things. What it made me reflect on was manage a, a fairly large team across the UK that have all, all been through a, quite a unique set of challenges over the past couple of years. And I think that we've become very open about talking about our, our lives and the fact that we're humans and we have things going on outside and challenges that, you know, we're sort of very good at bringing our whole selves and, oh, I do have children and, you know, I do have a, a life that I need to look after. But I did reflect and think how many hidden, hidden um, challenges are some of my team going through and do they feel comfortable really talking about it? Some, you know, some have very openly. Um, but have we really made any reasonable adjustments and what might they look like? So I just loved, I love, I mean, overall, I love just how much all of it came from the heart, didn't it? So it felt so real and authentic. Um, and I, yeah, just really liked that term of reasonable adjustments because it's so small, but it can make such a massive impact. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, Definitely with um, Jen Jennifer as well. Uh, I met Jennifer before because I was part of the selection panel. So I saw her entry and, and I saw her at the, the launch event as well that you had at our offices. And just the change in, obviously there's been, you know, reasonable adjustments for her as well throughout that course of just, you know, really, you know, the, the support that Ginger must have given to her to, be, to find her voice. And to be able to stand on stage like that is just like amazing to see and such a compelling, compelling story. But again, it's all just small asks. And so how can we make it, how can we sort of create that psychological safety so that people can have small asks and not think that it's going to be a career devastating thing to do? So, yeah, I, I loved it. Mm. I was I was really shocked and saddened by Zaman's story of you know when he revealed to his employer you know he'd had this diagnosis yeah. that he was ADHD and initially it sounded like they were going to be great and you know take some time okay. off figure out what you need to do then come back and be told mm -mm, we, well, we, we can't make this reasonable adjustment. yeah exactly and at that very time with with COVID and everything that was going to look at you know it for me as a as a manager of people sometimes you know it is very complex to manage people with loads of different issues um and the easiest thing would be just to say oh do you know what I just to I, I, I draw my attention somewhere else make the problem go away but look at how amazing he is it's his superpower isn't it is ADHD like he's just multi-talented multitasking everything that he's doing so uh yeah what a loss for them yeah yeah Noel if people could see this podcast you were nodding along uh along there yeah I I think I guess that's what we're that, that's what we're all striving to in in making our organizations more inclusive as you said earlier on Sam you know if you it's about being yourself at work and being able to say actually I need to work this way or that way, or this is how you get the best out of me. Um, and and it's it 
you know, we've got to get through the stigma of 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 lots of different um, situations where we can, you know, encourage people to come forward. And I think, interestingly, we've noticed sort of a slightly different demographic. It's probably people who've been in the industry longer where, you know, testing or support or, you know, adjustment wasn't possible is now possible sort of coming forward and going, oh, blimey. You know, I didn't realise that, that I'd struggled with that, but they sort of made it, they learned a coping mechanism um, because they it, that was never diagnosed through their through their sort of time earlier on in their career. So it is just being how do, we've just got to keep making it possible for people to say, I need this or I need that. Um, you know, some the, the physical disabilities are easy, aren't they? Because, you know, if you turn up, you know, like we've got a deaf graduate in our team, you know, you need an interpreter. That's fine. You know, if you turn up in a wheelchair, you need access and other things. With the hidden disabilities, it's people have to tell you in order for you to be able to do something about it. And, and they need to feel able to do that. Absolutely. Paul. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I've, I've mentioned earlier, Sam, that, you know, actually, you know, there are there are various family members close to me who who happen to be dyslexic. Um, so Je Jenny and what Jenny was saying absolutely resonated. And the amount of, you know, it wouldn't have been easy for her to have done that presentation, I guess. It would have taken a lot of, you know, personal um, efforts etc to do it and I was really proud for her as to what she what she achieved and and it does really show that you know everybody is able to give a massive contribution but sometimes people just need to be given the opportunity to do it and those people will have very different you know may well have different skills which actually will bring something to the party which others can't give um and it's it's phenomenal I mean, it, it really is. And so, you know, she 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 did brilliantly, as indeed did the others. Absolutely. And wouldn't, wouldn't it be wonderful if real estate became the industry that was the industry of opportunity and could offer that to, to everyone? I think that would be a pretty good, pretty good goal for the industry. I, I agree. And just one one anecdote, Sam, that, you know, when I was sitting there when she was talking about her other half and being able to, you know, left and right and whether she was turning to the right or turning to the left. And I was just thinking, and I talked to her about it afterwards, that actually, if you take your left hand and you do a shape, that will then come into an L. So then you know the difference between your left and your right. So it was just a very, very small tip. I have to do that. And I wear a, um, my watch on the wrong hand for a right-handed person, but it reminds me that um, my left from my, from my right. We've all we've all got them. Fantastic. We? It's all coping <laughs> strategies, isn't it? Yeah. Well, one thing that just occurred to me actually is is that you know it maybe is something about language because we tend to refer to uh, you know dyslexia etc as as hidden disabilities and maybe we should be talking more about hidden abilities. Um, and we've done some work with an organisation that that works in these areas called genius within and I think it that you know it's sort of reframing the the way you think about um conditions as abilities rather than disabilities I, I'd agree with that absolutely it I and it is about education around that isn't that I have to admit that I made a mistake in the in the leader I wrote around the future leaders where I said suffered 
from dyslexia and it, it, it completely the wrong the wrong terminology you know not not meant I didn't mean it in any um, kind of disability way but just to, it's very easy to fall over your words so we need to be much better at educating and sort of yeah changing the, the context someone just has dyslexia they don't suffer yes. yeah and yeah. um, so so um turning to some of the other other talks I was um very happy to um have um anything to do with um the Avengers up on screen I was very <laughs> unhappy that we had a picture of Thanos and not Thor who is my favorite um Avenger but um but we it was it was a very powerful point that that Deb um from Oxford made that you know retelling the story of, of Thanos and the um, the last of the um, big Avengers movers where he clicks his fingers and 50% of the of the population disappears and that if we're not careful we're going to lose 50% of the very wonderful women um, we have in this this industry um, so you know we we this is a, a problem that we talk about a lot but I thought Deb um, made it very very real and very human talking around how her experience, I suppose, of changing her her um, day to enable her to be just as good a mum as she is at, at her her job, and just the you know the little side glances that she got for for doing that and put, pulling those stories to to life. A Amy, how did how did you react? Um, been there, absolutely been there. Um, I suppose I like to break rules is my is my personality so actually if anybody had challenged me I think I would have been quite I don't oh well yeah I don't I don't think I would have would have let them but it, there there is definitely it's so recent that it and it is still so there in so many organizations that it's about visibility over productivity and that for me is just absolute bonkers <laughs> We are all mobile working. We're all online all day, every day. We don't have to do the full eight hours to get eight hours out productivity. It's about efficiency and deliverability. And so it just made me feel so sad for her having to go through that at a time when her focus should have been on her children. But I know I was there too. So it's really just, and you know, it's just really not that long ago so I, I just think that it's going to take a COVID has been and she made the point didn't she COVID's been a real lifesaver in that because it's it's demonstrated that you know the post-industrial kind of workforce of having to be chained to your desk is just no longer it's it's just no longer needed um but um I yeah I just it, it's a not it's just sad that we had to go th go through that stage um, and so much criticism for doing something which is overall you know it's part of humanity isn't it having children so um but yeah I th thought she made some very good points some really salient points around sort of those en where when are those exit points and she made the point about menopause as well and um I think that that will come on to that I'm sure but that is a fascinating topic for me well definitely um, come on to that yeah and I for, for me as well one of the powerful points for for Deb was the role of men actually in enabling um a more 
um, welcoming place in real estate for, for women. And, and particularly she talked about one of her colleagues, didn't she, and taking paternity leave and, and, uh, and then coming back and um, enabling others to, to step up. So um, Paul and Noor, I'd love to know from you how the role, I guess, you think you would, you and your kind, as it were, uh, <laughs> um, feel that you have in, in you know, making it okay for anyone um, to um, have child do do childcare. Yeah, well, I think no. I think it's not just it's not just the women; it's men too. We're you know we've got to make it okay for men to take their share of the load. And and I think you know just when you see the the sort of lack of take up of things like shared parental leave and and equal provision of um, parental leave for for both parents. Um, you know, because the, the guys get exactly the same snide remarks if they're going to do the school run or whatever. And, and generally they try and, you know, cover it with a client meeting or something. You know, it's so yeah. it, it's that they don't call it out and say, well, I'm going to do it or I'm, you know, I'm working from home today because I'm going to do the I'm going to take the children to school or whatever it happens to be. Um, so I think we can all be better at, at supporting that and you know embracing it and and you know it's it's back to inclusion again isn't it it's, it's although like, I, do th I, do, I do think Noel that that's starting to change I mean it, it is a bit yeah no I think I think a bit more than a, a bit but you have to have you know in my in in the legal industry you need to have the partners actually taking the lead and you need to make sure that you've got gender balance within the partnership and making sure you've got a, a really strong core of female partners um, because otherwise the role models aren't there and 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 that should then cascade through the firm so not just the partners but senior counsel etc and you do have the role models where the juniors can actually look up and say it is fine for me to log off at whatever time and we've got some fantastic role models where you know you might have single mothers who are having to log off at a particular time may have something urgent log back on later on and people just it's all about, as Amy, you were saying, it's productivity, it's the output, it's what people are actually achieving. Yeah. Mm. Um, the thing that really got me about you know, Deborah and what she was saying was, and I think I've got it right, when she was talking about the walk of shame. Yeah. When walking past colleagues at a particular time when she'd been in since, I don't know, seven in the morning or whatever it happened to be to make sure that she could get back at a particular time. And I would like to think that within my team, you know, I'd have a conversation with somebody to say, hang on a minute, you're meant to have left five, 10 minutes ago to go and pick up your kids. Make sure you go. Is there something that, you know, somebody else can cover for you? And it's all about having a world where people are happy to work and that they feel valued and they're valued not just for what they do in, in their, the work, but they're valued as a human being for you know the rounded people that they are of which work is a huge part but it's not the only part yeah i heard one thing once um coca-cola i mean this is this going on five years ago now i think when i was in australia and we were thinking about how do we change this and coca-cola did a thing shouldn't probably name drop but uh, that that was uh leaders. other fizzy drinks are available other fizzy <laughs> um, uh, leaders leaving loudly they did a thing around leaders leaving loudly, and so don't don't sneak out. Announce it. Announce what what when you're going and what you're going to do. Um, I think there's still some discomfort around that in the industry, but I, 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 that always sticks in my brain as a good phrase. 
Yeah, and I think the other thing is also not just for parents, but you know, for anyone who needs, you know, wants yeah. to do yoga, wants to go and do an exercise class, just wants to, you know, yeah, reposition themselves somewhere else. It should be okay. Um, or, or dare I, or dare I say, it, somebody who's part of the sandwich generation, where they're not just looking after their children, they're having to look after sick yeah. or elderly parents. Yeah, absolutely. Or just wants to get a quieter train where there's less chance of catching COVID. <laughs> it's, it's understanding, isn't it? And uh, and um, and trust, trust in the um, every employee you have is doing their job to the very best of their ability, and you can trust them to to do that. So it doesn't matter when or where or how how they how they work. Um, so I I want to. Um, uh, pick up on um, the subject, which I think is still a really big taboo. Uh, I'm not yeah. just in this industry, but you know, people tend to sort of recoil a little bit, don't they? When you when you mention the menopause, um, so I thought Alex was brilliantly brave getting up on on stage mm -hmm. and and talking talking about the menopause and starting with that that really powerful picture of of her as a, a 10 year old I think she said she was and just how she'd she never looked at her mother's face in that picture before but how she suddenly started to understand the the tough the, you know the really tough time that her, her mum had been through and that you know 51 percent of the population is is going to go through yeah, it's so interesting on the way in um, to London that day, I listened to Davina McCall. She was on um, another podcast I was listening to and she was talking because Davina very vocal about um, the menopause. And thank God someone's starting to be because as a, you know, growing up, I never got taught anything. I got taught nothing really about the female reproductive hormones or what happens to me on a monthly basis what's going to what will happen to me at certain points that, that no one tells you so and you don't really go and find out you just kind of bumble through things and I'm petrified petrified of the menopause because all you hear is I've just turned 40 all you hear is all the awful things that's going to happen to you you're going to turn into this hot hairy mess that's just completely useless at work it's just like I can't oh and so thank god for somebody coming and she said Davina made the point she says it's the, the Japanese have a term for it which is called your third spring and we have to see it as a power like finally you get to a point in your life where you haven't got the you know the monthly moods and the whatever you are are free of that and gosh what you know what else can you do and but I can see you know it must be it we've got to get to a point where it's comfortable to talk about it because it's going to happen you can't stop it from happening people manage it in different ways and some people are unaffected um but yeah like I can see that it would it would call and that feeling of is it to, you know I've now got to leave work because I just can't manage both so it is in effect, it's not, and again, people say, oh, you're suffering. So back to your point around suffering. No, I'm not suffering from anything. If this is just a natural course of events, then I need to make reasonable adjustments so that mm -hmm. I need to be, be working. So thank God this is happening before I, whenever it happens to me, get to that point and hopefully things start start to change. But I am now looking at that generation of women in a different way. Now that even just after those two little talks, um, you know, you start to think, oh, God, like I'm not pitying you, 
I actually think, gosh, it's great. Like you've got so much to offer um, and it, it's not all bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's another conversation around talent, isn't it? And talent, when we, I think sometimes when we talk about talent, we think about young talent coming into the industry. It's Absolutely. about keeping great minds, a great set of experience in yeah. the industry as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm interested to hear the male point of view. <laughs> I I think it just carries on the conversation that we've we yeah. have. We need to we need to be able to bring all to, all talent into the industry. And and that's at every single level. And you know, the fact that there have been senior leaders within the real estate industry who are female, I think is fantastic. There are some great role models out there. And, you know, we need to make sure that we release talent and make sure that actually talent can can fly. So I, I you know, of course I'm a man, of course I'm not going to experience the menopause. Um, doesn't mean that there aren't people around me who are close to me that happen to experience it or aren't going through it. So Yeah. Yeah, and it's about being empathetic, isn't it? To that experience and going, Correct. I know what it feels like for my, you know, my partner or my sister or my my mother or whatever and just thinking what does that what must that feel like because as we get a more diverse workforce if we all hit our targets and get 33 percent on the board and all of those sorts of things more and more it's going to need to be acknowledged and not just hidden and being embarrassed about it so yeah yeah I mean anyone with a female partner is is going to be going through it at the same time with them and so you know it, it it is it does impact both parties in the relationship obviously the person going through the menopause takes it more but i i think yeah it's a, again it's about education isn't it and about explaining to people and making it okay to talk about it at work and that it's not a sort of hidden subject that can't be talked about in the open and yeah I think it's like so many things we're doing in this space it's just about conversations isn't it just shining yeah. a light on stuff to say this is just normal it happens you know yeah. it, and, and, and let's let's make those sort of accommodations adjustments to to make it okay um to do it um, I like the specific support that her organisation had put into place. Forget who she was working for. For Argent. Argent, and that they, as an acknowledgement that the GP, GP, GP practitioners don't necessarily have um, all of the information. It can be quite a, it shouldn't be, but it can be quite a special yeah. topic. Yeah. And so, you know, we've put into place at JLL um, employee assistance in terms of mental health support so access to counsellors because obviously that's constrained through the NHS so going offering a private route for that I'd love to see a private route for specific you know menopause which it seems like Argent have, have done that um because that is a real that's a that you're then really tackling it aren't you rather than and supporting it so yeah and do you know what? That's a win for me of this evening. If you've taken something away from someone else and thought, hey, we, we could implement something like that as well, because that's that's how we get better. Um, sticking with the menopause for one more second. Um, 
um, before we move on to, to Robin's um, talk and finish on uh, finish on on that. Um, a couple of years ago, it was at a, a MIPIM UK many years ago, and I don't know how I got away with doing a um, talk on the menopause at, at MIPIM UK, but I, I did. I probably didn't ask for permission. Um, but uh, um, you know, I've got plenty of women to talk to talk really candidly about their experiences. And, and one woman who had left the legal profession because she was, she thought she was going crazy and she wasn't getting any support. But then she came back. Um, but I'd, I'd, I, I thought I can't have this conversation with just women. I'm going to ask a ask a guy to take part to, as well. And we, were, we were talking as well about adjustments to the, the physical workspace that you might need to move. And this um, person, a CEO of one of one of the um, agencies said um, he asked his colleagues. He said, oh, "I've just I've been asked to do this thing on the menopause," and they all laughed at him, and mm -hmm. um, and you know, you know, took the Michael out of him. And he said it was that that made him say, "Well, I'm going to do it then," because if that if that was the sort of juvenile response, he knew that he needed to learn and then be able to go back into that workplace and say, "No, no, 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 this is really important because we're going to lose that talent." So. Um, yes, I th I think the more we can talk about it, even if it does make us feel a bit uncomfortable and icky, uh, <laughs> um, the better. Yeah, that's really good. So, so Robin, it, I'm I'm so glad we didn't get through an uh, entire evening of really passionate talks without someone talking um, about the the climate and um, just the immense amount of work that we we have to do. And um, I don't know about you, but when Robin started, I thought he was going to um, tell a really really heartbreaking story about uh, a a family member or or, yes. or something. But then yep. he um, he did tell us a really heartbreaking story. But it was of course about about the planet and about the ocean and his his home and the future of his home. Just keen to hear from you how how impactful that was for 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 you. Noel, I'm going to start with you on that one. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think it's sort of bringing it home to people, isn't it? That that it's real, you know, because I think I think for a lot of people they sort of get climate change, but it's hard to make it real because it's you know, in your daily life, there's like so many other things going on that you sort of, yeah, well, I'll do a bit of recycling or I'll do a bit of this. But, you know, sort of, am I going to make a difference? And then you've got somebody who it absolutely makes a massive difference whether we achieve it or not, um, because suddenly his homeland will be no more. And I think that's a that's a to me that sort of real ex sort of powerful example of why you should bother and why you have to keep going at this it, it was really um you know it was emotional it's really special and you could hear it in his voice how much it meant to him looking at his own homeland and thinking i'm not sure how much longer this is going to be here yeah yeah paul i was going to say it does bring it back to the industry and the real estate industry because it was a really, really moving story. But equally, what we need to recognise being part of the, the real estate industry is how equally we can be part of the solution. Because, you know, in terms of retrofitting, in terms of uh, you know, making sure that we're all living in a, appropriate units which are properly insulated and all, all the rest of it, in terms of new technologies that will help to 
reduce carbon, um, the fact that on the planning side, things are, the, the, it seems to be ticking across so that government is now looking at embedded carbon and you know redevelopment of properties and longer term use of properties and alternative uses linked in with that. Um, you know, there've been a few planning decisions linked in on, on that side recently. Um, I think we, you know, we need to shine a, a light on it and say, it's not just a really powerful story, but actually we as an industry are able to do something about it. And, and if there are ways of monetizing it, even better, because then we can drive the progress and make sure it happens even quicker. So it shouldn't just rely on government. It should, it, you know, that there is money to be made within the industry in terms of new technologies, et cetera, driving forward. So I very much hope that, you know, in the UK, we can be some of the cheerleaders on that side. But, you know, we need to convince other countries as well that they need to play an even greater part in it. So whether it's India, whether it's China, you know, we're not going to do this alone. We have to do it as an international effort. Um, so, yeah, really compelling story, but I hope it, 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 it inspires people to take some action. Amy, I know this one must have resonated with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think here's part of a generation that I'm seeing coming through the industry where they just do have a far greater understanding and a, a better, a, a, an unrelentless focus on it, really. And I, I think it is, I'm grateful that they're being attracted to the real estate industry because they see a solution. I mean, being part of the, I'm part of a construction part of JLL. So we are absolutely can see the wave of opportunity, but also, you know, not just opportunity for our business, but opportunity to actually make, create, create a change in that sort of retrofit space. So um, what I liked is it's, you know, we do have a very diverse team as well. So whilst we might not think that we're seeing changes on our doorstep, which I think we are, but um, in terms of sort of wildlife depletion and all sorts of other, other things, but the imagery that he used was really shocking wasn't it so you know not all of them used the screens but for him to really explain this is today this is what I saw and that it's not just him that it's affecting you know yeah okay he's in the UK and he can't you know it's not necessarily here that he's feeling it but his whole family um is and he doesn't want to lose that he doesn't want it to be a memory he wants it to be something that he can pass on to future generations. So, um, yeah, I yeah I've been had the pleasure of being to been to St Lucia, and I can see how how much yeah it would would be uh, he would be feeling about that loss of paradise. So the death of paradise was the t title of his talk, wasn't it? And I just he wasn't uh, yeah he was, he was compelling, but it was it was hopeful. I think he left me with a feeling of hope of that, you know, yes, OK, it, there's a lot, um, but it's, we've, you know, we've absolutely got that that opportunity. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a very, very good one. Fantastic. So we will here know um, how powerful, important, impactful Future Leaders is. We've 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 lived and breathed it. We, we've uh, we felt we felt it in in the room across various um various iterations of this project but I'm going to ask us to finish up um, with just either one word or one sentence as to as to why this why listening to these voices 
and taking action of what we what we hear up on stage is is so important for for the future of the industry. Paul, I'm going to start with you. Paul, that's a difficult one. One word. <laughs> I have to or a sentence. Myself. Or a sentence. I think that we need to reflect society and the way that society is going and we need powerful voices in the room, people who care about the climate, who, can, who care about people being treated fairly, and we will be a better society overall, and we will certainly be a better industry if we are diverse, inclusive, and give people like these eight amazing people the opportunity that, that, that they had. So that was far more than one word, so sorry. I'll let you know. Um, I I'll I'll try and stick to a sentence. Um, <laughs> if, if if we don't listen to their voices, we won't have an industry. That that's a good sentence. Powerful. Amy, final word. Yeah, words that very easily. Can I? Um, I'm going to pinch for some from Tanya's summary. She did a fantastic summary at the end, didn't she? So, I for me. I think that the, the the overall feeling I got was action now and not enough. We haven't done enough. We've been hearing these voices for a you know long. We know all of this. We've now got to do something about it. And I think that hearing it really for in some you know fantastic speaking like that, um, we've got all the evidence we need. We've just got to go and do something about it now action now otherwise there is there is no future so if, yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. if there's not a, if there's not a depressing way to end, no no it's not so it's it's a hopeful Positive. way to end a podcast on thank you so much i love the evening i'm looking forward to all of the others and bringing all of our future leaders together to really make this industry the very very best i know it can be but for now paul noel and amy thank you so much for joining us on the eg property podcast 